Well, we are starting a new series this morning in the book of Philippians. God has been dealing with me for some time on this issue of joy. It says in Nehemiah 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where's your strength? Is there joy that comes out of your life? If there's a place where joy should be evident, it's in the heart of the one who's been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember years ago hearing um, John Maxwell as he spoke. and He said, you know, I learned a long time ago that I'm not the most handsome guy in the world. He said, I looked in a mirror and I thought, oh dear, there's not much to work with. He said, but then I smiled. I thought, that's better. And it's better when we smile. Proverbs 17.22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Well, this morning as we do an overview in Philippians, I know we're just reading verses 1 through 7, but we're going to kind of jet plane through in an overview this morning. The word that sticks out over and over again, I counted like 29 times, joy or a derivative of joy. So let's let's turn there to Philippians chapter 1. We'll ask you to stand in our God's honor as I read those first seven verses. As we pay reverence to our God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace And peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Let's pray. Master, here we are. I beg and I plead with you, God, to fill us with your joy. That comes, Father, when we see you and we see ourselves. And thank you that we can look again at you and you give us joy. Father, I pray you speak through through me. Father, take the weakness of my words and my feeble attempt. And Holy Spirit, take over. Father, may we just, uh, may we be blessed as we look at your word, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Joy should just flow out of us. You know, I like to use that phrase, leak Jesus. You know, does Jesus leak out of your life? I think I told you some time back, going through a difficult year and call a dear friend of mine and talk to him for a while. And he said, I don't know much to tell you, except I'm more convinced than ever that what the world needs is the joy of Jesus. And and, and God got a hold of my heart. And I started thinking about this letter and. And, and you guys know the situation. I mean, Paul was in prison. 
He didn't write these words while he was laying out at the beach or while he was, you know, at a place that, you know, big party, big celebration. It was a tough situation. And yet there was joy that he mentions over and over and over again. G.K. Chesterton said that the incredible secret of the Christian life is joy. Now, if there's a place where there really ought to be joy, it ought to be in the people of God. Because, guys, we have been blessed beyond belief. I think just a couple of places, uh, as Paul opens in greeting, and, you know, it's kind of neat in his letters, we sign our letters at the end. But in the biblical letters, they sign them at the beginning. I kind of like that idea. People know who it is that's writing the letter. They don't have to look at the very end to figure it out. And he, he starts out in Ephesians and he says, Praise be to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's something to be excited about. And then he comes over to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 again as he gives his greeting. He says, Praise be to the Lord and Father Praise be to the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That resurrection power, it's ours. And he says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen. Some things that that there's joy. There ought to be joy. We shouldn't come to church and look like the, somebody just got baptized in pickle juice. It's misery and lone face. And I remember when I was a kid, there was this cartoon character called Droopy Dog. The old Droopy Dog was just droopy all the time. We ought to have joy. They said of uh, Charles Spurgeon, you know, I will speak of Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, he was from a Puritan background. And, you know, as we think of the Puritans, they, you know, they're, they're real serious and somber toward God. But it was said of Charles Spurgeon, you know, people would flock out to hear him, that what stood out about the guy was his sense of humor. People were constantly laughing. One lady came up to him and said, Brother Spurgeon, you're a man of God and you should take the things of God seriously. And when you preach in that pulpit, you ought to shake us and break us. But not laughter. And his response was classic. Spurgeon said, ma'am, but if you only knew how much I held back, you'd be so proud of me. Man, we ought to be able to celebrate because of Christ. Uh, Chuck's one doll. Uh, you know, seeing I've heard him so much through the years, hard to believe. I guess he's in his 80s now, but wow. But anyway, uh, I read that he was doing a conference out on the West Coast, and they had a great time. One lady wrote him this letter, and she said, Chuck, I just love it, your teaching because it's so full of laughter. And she said, I had to have laughter. He said, I, I raised 11 kids, and believe me, it took a lot of laughter to get through it. Humor's powerful. Humor's effective. And she said, and I didn't even get married till I was 31 years old. And she said, I was really looking for somebody. She said, let me tell you about my prayer life. She said, I took a pair of men's trousers. And I, I put them on my bed and I'd get on my knees in front of those trousers and I'd pray, God, fill these with a man. 
Chuck said, you know, that was good. I said, when I get home, he said, I got to get that in my sermon. It had nothing to do with my message. But sometimes you just want to ram it in there, you know. Get it. You know, just like sometimes I'll say, did you know that stress spelled backwards is desserts? I mean, it's got to mean something, don't it? But anyway, back to the, like I said, I just rammed that in there. Okay, Chuck said he came back and, and it, you know, he, he said, he told that story. and He said there's this one family he was close to in the church and, and the wife and uh, one of the kids was homesick. And uh, so this man was there with his teenage son. And he said, you know, he told that story. And the dad, he, he was laughing. Man, he just belly laughter, you know, that guttural laugh. But the teenage son, he was serious. He sat there. He came home. And it was about two weeks later, you know, the mom came to church. And she said, Chuck, I, I need to talk to you. He thought, there's something wrong here? So a couple of weeks ago, you, you told a story about this lady. She said she put trousers on the bed and, and, and she prayed for a man. I said, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, I said, I don't know if this has anything or not to do with this, but I said, I came in my son's, teenage son's room the other day and he had a bikini spread across the bed. <laughs> you know, come on, guys, that's funny. If there's anywhere you should be able to laugh, it's with God's people. Following Jesus is not meant to always be such a somber affair. It's relationship with the living God. It, it's, a, it's a place, guys, for us to connect. Matter of fact, as you look at, at this letter in Philippians, there, there's not a, 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 you know, a deep, major doctrine. Now, we were just in Daniel and... And some of the other, and in Romans, and oh, there's such deep truths that you mine and, and, and you struggle to learn. This isn't so much deep as it's a, it's a love letter to be felt to the core. That God loves us. And that fills us with joy. You know, you think about love, I mean, you know. Back when you met that person, and, you know, I could say, well, you know, the exact dimension of her eyes and her nose is this. And the very texture of her hair is like this. And the exact length of her hair could be measured in this many centimeters. Fooey, that's not what we do, is it? What do we do? It's like, boom, 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 boom. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't think. She is so, oh, she just gets under my skin. I remember in seminary when I met Cindy and things took off like a rocket ship and I remember my roommate in seminary saying, you're in trouble. This is going quick. I just thought I'd better warn you. You're, emotionally, I see you, you really like her. Yeah, he was right. I guess it was evident. I could see it. Well, as we look at this wonderful letter, joy flows. Why? It's because of that relationship with the Lord. It means everything, and it goes down from the head to the toes. Like a, a love song that it just means so much in our hearts. Uh, at least three reasons for the letter as you look at Paul. Uh, first, he writes to thank them. If you look in chapter 1, verse 3 here, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul's been through some difficult times. And he thanks God for these dear Christian. Man. Then in chapter 3, 
he writes to warn them uh, in verse 2. He says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. You come down to verse 18. He, he shares his heart. He says, for as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's deeply moved. He's deeply emotional. As he think about those who are fighting against God with all their will and their strength and their minds. He's just heartbroken. He says, man, you're missing out on what life's about. <laughs> and then he goes on, he describes them, verse 19, their destiny's destruction, their God's their stomach, and their glories and their shame. Their minds on earthly things. <laughs> but then he closes the chapter, he's back to joy. He said, all right, enough of where they are, I'm grateful where I am. And, oh, it's so good how he ends the chapter. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. So, so He warns them, and then third, He just encourages them. And you go back to 1, verse 27. He says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. What's he saying? He says, We're in this together, guys. I love what it said Benjamin Franklin said when they came to sign the Declaration of Independence. He said, Fellas, we must all hang together or we will hang separately. And we're to hang together in Christ. We are in a world that does not believe in Him. That does not understand Him. And the way they're going to is by seeing our faith in Christ together. How we love one another. How we serve Him and, and serve one another. And, and how all that makes no sense except must be Jesus. <laughs> the resurrected living Lord who is at work. Deeply within us. It made me back, you know, verse 7, the very last phrase we read there. He said, all of you share in God's grace with me. What an encouragement. All of us, guys. Are, well, there's a connection that, that in Jesus that we all share. it That binds us together and, and holds us together deeply in His power. So, so now we come to the outlines. Look at this overview. Uh, first, chapter 1 is about living Enjoy. Um, man, a smile came to Paul's face as he thought of these people. He, verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers, all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? He says, because of your partnership in the gospel. That first day until now. And he says, I'm confident of this. God will carry on that work to completion to, to the day of, of Christ Jesus. He, he will do that work within us. And then he comes down to verse 21 and he sums it all up there. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, man, each day, living each moment, there, there's joy. There's joy in that. Uh, it, it's not merely where we've been. It's not merely where we're going. We can live in joy now. Listen to this uh, poem from Helen Mellencost. I was regretting the past, fearing the future. Suddenly God was speaking 
My name is I am. I waited and God continued. When you live in the past and its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I'm not there. My name's not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard. I'm not there. My name's not I will be. When you live in the moment, it's not hard. I am here. See? Now, where's Paul? What in his external circumstances? He was in prison. You know, I thought so many times, he's in prison, he's chained to a Roman guard, and they would rotate, be there a while, and they'd move. Can you imagine what it'd be like for that guard? You're chained to the Apostle Paul. Now, that's one way for a preacher to get an audience. I'm not volunteering for that one. But this guy didn't have a prayer. He heard about Jesus. And, and as he said 29 times, joy, joy, rejoice, joy. Over and over again. You know, I, I'm sure some of those guys came across. It's like anything if he'll just stop. God was at work there. And through that daily life. Um, Alright, let's look at the next one here. Chapter 2, there's a joy that's in serving. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Here it is. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary. Or lose heart. Why do you go to the cross? It says for the joy set before him. And as you come to chapter 2. In Philippians. As he begins to talk about imitating Christ. Following Jesus. He says you guys got any encouragement? You got any comfort? You got any fellowship? Any tenderness and compassion? Make joy complete by having the same mind. The same spirit. The same purpose. That's Christ Jesus doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility to consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interest, but to the interest of others. And then what's he say? He says, have this same mind in you that's in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to describe that. It's a mind that's not on himself, but on those he came to save, to serve. Man, I, I, you know, I love it. As, as you go down through there, he says... Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant, being made human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He did what? He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And then God exalted him to the highest place. And he gave him that name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the glory of God. Jesus is Lord. Hey man, that's the attitude in, in serving. It's one of joy. Not that the job's so wonderful and fuzzy, but that our God is. And that's who we're serving. That's who the work's for. Uh, chapter 3, there's a joy in sharing. As you come in chapter 3, and he starts out here, he starts the chapter, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Got an exclamation point at the end. He means, do it. I mean it. He says, there's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Safeguard for you. As he talks about these dogs, these mutilators of the flesh, he's talking about these legalists, these people that, man, they just want to dumb down Jesus to this list. If you want to know Jesus, you got to do this. 
and you don't do this, and then you'll have that. Baloney. That's not what it is at all. And he goes on and he says, look, I was a consummate professional at that. As you look down through the chapter, I was the greatest legalist of all. Man, I dotted every I and I crossed every T. But then as he gets down to verse 7, he changes his tune. <laughs> and and here's, here's what he says, verse 70. But whatever to my profit was to my profit, now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness, greatness of knowing Christ, my Lord. And he says, and to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, but the righteousness that comes through Christ. And then I love that verse 10 as he talks about sharing. Man, this is, this is, this is good memory verse, okay? Y'all need to work on this one, all right? Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. And then the next verse, he says, and so somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. What's he saying? I want that relationship. I want that intimacy with the God who loves me. I want the love letter to become alive. I just want to be all gushy around Him because He's worth it. Because he's life. Hey, hey, that's what he gets into. That's what he, what he shares. Um, then we, uh, he, he says in verses 12 through 14, he presses on toward that goal, heavenward, upward, in Christ Jesus. And then we come to chapter 4. And as, as he comes through chapter 4, there's resting in joy. Regardless of the junk, regardless of the mess, there's a God you can fully count on. That's what it's about. Matter of fact, he starts out here, it's just like we are. He, he says, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. <laughs> it's how you stand from the Lord, dear friends. He, he says, I love you guys. And then he gets real. You know, we're going to give the gooey stuff. He says, now let's be practical. Moves down here to verse 2. He says, I plead with Udia and I plead with Sinti to agree with each other in the Lord. These ladies are driving me nuts. All they want to do is complain, complain, complain. And then what's he do? He says, I need some help here, guys. In verse 3, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. He says, let's get involved. Let's let these women know that there's... More important than this, whatever they're grumbling about. Whatever they're arguing about. And here's the key. He comes down here in verse 3. He says, I love this, guys. He said, whose names are in the book of life. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, ladies, do you even remember what you're fussing about? But remember this. Your name is in the book of life, and so is my name. And let's get on with it, man. Let's love Jesus together and get, you know. I remember a preacher telling me years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He said, when you look at Jesus as he hung on the cross, he said, there's me and there's that other person. And whenever I argue with somebody to get the other person, I've got to go through Jesus. You see? No. Our names are in the book of life. Let's just be unified together. i got to move on, don't I? Okay. He moves down through here in verse 4. Here we go. He starts getting joyful again. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let's get some joy. And he goes on. He says, let your gentleness be evident. All the Lord is near. 
That verse we quote so many times, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry. And but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Tell your father about it, guys. And what's he say? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hey. Then he drops down to verse 8 and he tells us how we're to think. He says, okay, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it. And then verse 10, he says, follow my example. I just want Jesus to leak out of me. May he leak out of you. Then he comes down to verse 11. I love this. He says, I am not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. Wow. What, a th- what an amazing statement. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. He says, I, I've learned. Hang in there. Jesus is working. Hang in there. He's there. He's not forgotten me. He still loves me. I was meditating on the amplified version of this. I I know it just enough versions that I get it completely mixed up. You know, four or five translations. Who knows which I'm coming out with. I guess it's the Todd translation because it all gets all messed up. But the amplified, uh, just yesterday I was looking at it. He said, I have strength. For all things in Christ. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. And I love this last line. He says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Isn't that good? I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Ready for anything, equal to anything. Through him who infuses inner strength. That, that's what Paul's talking about here. He's infusing that strength into me. It's not me. I'm a nutcase. But the power of God is what's there. That's, 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 that's what you see. All right, I've got to wrap this thing up. I know, time's up. Preacher's in. Alarm clock goes off at 12. I know, I get it. Four principles as I close this thing up. Uh, first... Chapter 1, that joy, living in joy. For living in joy, I need the best model, Jesus. You want to see joy at work? Look at Jesus in the Scriptures. Secondly, for serving with joy, I need the right attitude. And Once again, who models that? Jesus. Third, for sharing a life of joy, I need an eternal goal. It's that upward calling in Christ Jesus. It's... Philippians 3 and 13 and 14, that area. And then fourth, for resting in joy, I need God's peace. That comes through Christ. He's the one that's able to say the joy of the Lord is my strength. All right, as I wrap this thing up, we're going to turn to the book of John. John chapter 10. Make this easy for you. Verse 10. 10, 10. Mm-hmm. John 10, verse 10. What an amazing verse. 
Let me start at verse 9. There's just so many good verses in the Bible. Um, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's Jesus. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So they might know what joy is about. You want full life? Look at Jesus, guys. I don't mean a glance. I mean a deep gaze at Jesus, our Savior, our resurrected Lord, our eternal hope, who gives us that inheritance that I, I, I shared in First Peter uh, chapter one at the start of the message. It, look to Him. Look to Jesus. If you don't look to Jesus, do you know what you'll find? Well, that's how He started out the verse: the thief. Of course, the devil. The thief has come to do what? To steal. To kill. And to destroy. Without Christ, that's what happens to us. The blessings are stolen from us. Relationships, health, it's murdered. (laughs) Destroyed. I listen to, I've told you, I've I'm trying to tick up. I went into the world of podcasts. And I thought, I'm going to listen to Focus on the Family podcast yesterday. Matthew called me and said, I want to take you out to eat, Dad. Couldn't say no. I was afraid after I ate all that greasy meat, I might be up all night. Praise be to God. He got me through the night there. But anyway, that's something else. I'm sidetracked. Back to the sermon. I listened to a message on sex trafficking. I don't even remember what day it was shown, but uh, I was so brokenhearted. It's all in our country, guys. It's in every state. They said there's 100,000 teenagers each year that go into sex trafficking in our country. I'm not talking about the other side of the world. They had a girl on there who was 17, and at 13 years old, she ended up in sex trafficking. And she, of course... Didn't give her real name, but she was sharing her testimony. Anyway, I was so moved by what she shared. She said she was 13 years old, and that's the average age that these uh, young teenagers end up in this life. And, and, and she was talking about, this This is what hit me. Pornography is a real problem, and it's a real problem in the church. Chances are there's some guy here it's it's a problem for because it's it's a real it's a real issue. But the way she hit it from the side, because I know guys how we're, you know, visually, you know, turned on all that stuff. But she she made the point of, of how their ex- children are exploited. How these girls that are 13 and her story was she w- she was sucked into to pornography and then and, and then she ended up as a prostitute. All this terrible stuff as she was sucked into this at 13. And she was saying that when you look at pornography that has these children, you are contributing to this sex slavery among these teenagers, these young girls. And I thought, wow, what a what a different view. It's not just about how it, you know, might in some perverted, twisted way ramp up my sexuality. It's, 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 there's a, there's a girl behind this. There, there's a young lady that's being mistreated and being abused and, and what's happened to her, something precious to her is being stolen. 
something precious to her is being destroyed. And as she shared that, man, it just, that hit me, guys. It really jarred me. It, it shook me up. And, and, and she shared her testimony. She said she had gotten hardened. And, and she went to this baby shower. And she shared, she stayed in the background and she thought that this baby was an illegitimate baby and the mom wasn't married. And, and she thought, why are they helping her? Why are they giving her these new things? Why are they caring about her? And, and why are they doing all this? Christians don't do that when you don't follow God and you don't obey God. She's a bad person. Why? Because that's what she was thinking about herself. But she said she watched them love on this young lady. And finally, she turned to the person that brought her. And she said, I don't know what it is that these women have, but I want it. And she said, right there, she gave her heart to Christ. Now she's married. She's got some young kids. God is, is, has done a marvelous work in her life. And, and that's what God does. He takes us who are broken. And the thief, he comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus comes to men. He comes to forgive. He comes to offer hope. And as I come to the end of this message, and that's what the joy's about, because he really gives hope. And look, we're a miss if at the end of every service we don't give you a chance to respond to that hope. It's not about just coming here and being saved, sanctified, and sacrimonious. It's about Jesus and, and a joy that he gets. So let's pray. Father, um, I thank you for your word. Oh, Father, stir us, God. Maybe there's one here and has heard about you, but missed you as the well of life, God. <laughs> as the source of joy that matters. Father, I pray that at this time we call invitation. Look at our hearts, God. What do you want to do, Lord? How have you spoken? Father, may we see your presence, God. I pray that you draw some of us to the altar to pray because you want us there. I pray you might draw some of us to the front to, to pray and, and then to share with the people of God here what you're doing in a heart, Lord. Um, Father, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not about a show rather than just a display of the Holy Spirit's power. It has nothing to do with me or anyone else here, just you. So, Father, we offer this time to you. Um, in Sunday school, we talked about what's holy. Well, that's holy. What's holy is to give you room to shine. So, in this time, we give you room to shine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.